you're, you're preaching the gospel through the rosary, which is just this, this beautiful thing. Well, today I am joined by my good friend, Keith Nestor, who's back on the channel. And today we're going to be talking about his book, Unpacking the Mystery, uh, Mysteries of the Rosary. Keith, I I'm so glad that you're here. Austin, it's so good to see you again. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm so proud of all that you've been doing, and it's great to, to reconnect with you. You know, Keith, I think you were the first person I interviewed on my channel, I think. First I think or I second. I was. I remember Yeah. That. That was such a good time. And I think we did like a back-to-back, -back, like one for your channel, one for my we channel. Uh, we we so. did, and then we uh, got to do the other interview at St. John Cantius when I was traveling through Chicago. And if you, that was a pretty fun day. Remember, we almost lost that drone flying it over the church. <laughs> yeah, in downtown Chicago. What, what could go yeah. wrong? That was, it was a wonderful time. And I'll have to I link. I admit to that on, on uh, YouTube. <laughs> you know, uh, it's okay. It's okay. But yeah, those are good times. And I, it's crazy the journey that it's been. Um, and so excited to see how your channel has grown as well and all that you've been up to. And you're on your second book now, uh, which I'm excited to talk about a bit today. And we're going to be talking about the rosary. And I have to say, when I think about the rosary, I just think Keith Nestor, like you're the rosary guy in oh, my man. mind. Um, well, yeah, that's well, a, that's your that's title. A, that's, a, that's a compliment. Um, and, and, a, and a surprise to me, really, because I, I wouldn't have ever thought that of myself, even after I became Catholic. That's not really something I would have set my sights on. But I tell you what, man, it's it's an honor to get to to be associated with it. Well, I'd love to talk about that a little bit. So yeah. for most converts I talk to, it seems like Marian devotion is kind of like the last uh, our other friend, uh, our other Keith friend Keith Little describes it as like the last like speed bump on the way into the church um, and for many people even like they come into the church and Mary's still a little strange for them and so I'd be curious like when did you first start warming to the idea of the rosary well the Mary it's funny because like the Mary stuff was something that helped me become Catholic because I I had I had been on a pilgrimage to to uh, a, a place of of uh, alleged apparition, uh, Medjugorje, when I was a Protestant youth pastor, years ago, and I went there just because I was invited to go, and I saw that was really the first time I ever saw Catholics practicing a devotion to Jesus through Mary, and I, of course I I couldn't really wrap my mind around a lot of what was going on there, but I, that was the first time I experienced how Catholics worship Jesus. Um, through a devotion to Mary. So that, I, I expected that to be like really awkward and kind of, you know, offensive to me or whatever at the time, maybe not offensive, but just really uncomfortable. And it wasn't. So I, so I saw this, this, this part of Catholicism and it was actually kind of appealing to me. But years later when I was beginning my journey, my, my journey to the church, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary really had a had a, a part to play in that. As I began to study more things in the Scripture, I remember I was writing a sermon for Advent 2016. I was I was a, a Methodist pastor getting ready to preach a sermon, and and I was preaching a sermon on the Annunciation, although we just called it Luke chapter one back then. And when I when I was reading this, the text from Luke one and 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 getting ready to make this sermon, I just felt this incredible wave of emotion and spiritual presence with me in my office there. And I just started crying as I, I was like, this is so beautiful how Gabriel is talking to, to, to Mary and how she's responding and, and what God is doing. And, and I got up that Sunday to my, my Methodist congregation and preached this very Catholic sounding sermon to them. And I had, I had this amazing love for her, but when I became Catholic, I still wasn't sure if I was going to pray the rosary, you know, one of those guys, because some of those things still seemed a little strange to me. The, the repetition and the, the, just that kind of, of prayer was so foreign to me. And I remember one day I was listening to, a, um, on YouTube, I, I was going on a motorcycle ride, listening to a sermon from father Don Calloway about his book that he wrote on the, the rosary. And he was talking about the power of praying the rosary. And I wanted that. So I just, I was like, okay, I'm going to start praying the rosary every day and see what happens. And I downloaded an app on my phone because I didn't know how to pray the rosary really. And I wasn't comfortable with it, but it was very much a private thing. So I would do that as I could here and there. 
um, to pray the rosary every day, but it was never something that I did publicly. I never let it. I was asked to lead it a couple of times. I always said, no, I'm not going to do that because it just, I'm just, I don't want to mess it up. These, these Catholics are very particular about their prayers. And if I jump in here and do something wrong, I'm just going to feel horribly embarrassed. Well, 2020 comes and, and the pandemic hits. I think it was March 17th. I did a live stream on my YouTube channel and I was just sort of checking in on people. Hey, how's everybody doing? <clears throat> what's, uh, what's going on? It was like, I think, you know, the lockdowns were just starting and someone on my YouTube channel asked me in this live stream, Hey, can we come back tomorrow and pray the rosary? Will you lead us? And I thought, well, okay, I can, I can do that. I can have something on the screen so I can read it. I can make sure I know what I'm doing. So I told everybody, come back here tomorrow at this time and we'll do it. So that was March 18th, 2020. We did our first rosary live stream on my YouTube channel. And I was blown away by that experience. I thought we'll do this for two weeks during this, during the, the pandemic. Cause if you remember those days, it was 14 days to slow the spread or whatever. And long story short, we've never stopped. I've been doing it every single day since March 18th, 2020. We actually even started a separate YouTube channel called Rosary Crew with Keith Nestor. And now this little prayer group has, it's gone all around the world. We've got people from 80 plus countries praying. There's thousands of people every day that either join in live with us or pray on the replay. And all of that has been very exciting. But the most exciting part of it to me has just been my own personal faith journey through that and my own spiritual growth through uh, the daily rosary and how that has just turned up the the volume of my faith in, in such a powerful way. But it all started back there in in March of 2020. That's crazy. What a what a journey that has been. And it you've like you said, you've taken it around the country and it's gone via the internet around the world. And it, it's such an incredible journey to see. And I'll of course have links uh, in the description down below for people to check that out. You know, there's something that you talk about in well, you reference it in this book, but I think it's more of a theme in your first book, uh, Convert's Guide to the Catholic Church, that there's like seemingly endless devotions that a Catholic could yeah. take up. And it can be a bit overwhelming. And so not that, you know, necessarily the rosary is better than any other, but if you were to talk to someone, they were maybe coming into the church and they're like, I don't like divine mercy chaplet, the rosary, like all of these things, like how do I pick? What would you say to someone who's going through that? And why why for you has the rosary been just so helpful for your spiritual life? Well, I would say pick one thing to start with. Don't try to do all of it at one. I mean, you can never do all of it because like you said, there's so many devotions. And that's one of the challenges that converts to Catholicism face is it's like you've stepped into this gigantic um, buffet of incredible gourmet cuisine that's before you and and you just want to try everything and, th and there's always somebody coming up to you saying oh have you had this have you had that you gotta have this you gotta have that and everybody's got their thing right so people are always going to be trying to get you to do their thing the thing that that is meaningful to them and that's great. You don't have to do everything. I, I say, that especially in your first year, pick one thing. And I'm talking about beyond the, the normal things of, you know, going to mass and confession, the sacraments, but one kind of particular devotion, like really focusing on one. And it's okay if you bounce around a little bit trying to figure out what that is. Just because you start praying the rosary or the divine mercy chaplet or the liturgy of the hours or, or all these other things, doesn't mean that you must do that every day for the rest of your life. Maybe something else is going to connect with you better. So I say try a few things. But for me, the rosary was the rosary is easy because there's so many people in the West that practice this devotion. You know, Eastern Catholics aren't really as as familiar with it. But um, here in in North America, you know, Western Catholicism, it's pretty popular devotion. So you won't struggle to find people praying the rosary. A lot of masses will, or a lot of churches will pray the rosary before mass. So you can do that. Um, so I would encourage people maybe start praying in a group. If you can, you can download an app. There's awesome videos on YouTube about how to do it. So just begin. And for, for me, the thing that I think was so attractive about the rosary 
was its connection to the scriptures. Because, you know, as a Protestant, that was my that was my thing was, okay, where is this in the Bible? What's the Bible all about? How, how does the Bible intera- interact with this? And the rosary is something that is very connected to the scriptures. And that was really helpful for me as a new convert. Yeah, I can imagine that to be so. And I think it's also helpful how you mentioned there that it's it's just such a common one. Like if you want to pray this with people, it's not some really esoteric one that you're not going to be able to find anyone yeah. else doing, except maybe on the internet. Like chances are at whatever parish someone's going to, if it's a Western right parish, there's, there's going to be people praying the rosary. Now, something you introduced me to with the rosary, I, I don't know if you know that you introduced me to this, but you did. Um, even before awesome. this book, just seeing it on the rosary crew was the idea of the the mysteries of the rosary. I just had never heard of that. Like I knew there were the words like Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord's with thee, yeah. you know, going on. But I didn't know there was this other thing. And what was really helpful to me about this is it helped kind of shift the idea of the rosary from just something that you repeat, you know, which is, is fine in and of itself, like the words that come from scripture and that's great and all. But this seems to take it to a, another level. And so maybe people are in the position I was uh, before coming across your work. Just what are the mysteries of the rosary and how does that help kind of deepen someone's engagement with it? Yeah, that's a great point. I didn't know anything about them either. So, you know, you'd get together with people and they'd be like, okay, the first sorrowful mystery and someone would announce something and then people would just roll through them. Um, the mysteries are the are events that take place in the life of Jesus or his mother or related to the church that help us on this journey around the rosary. Because the rosary is a, a journey of prayer. And there are four sets. Some people will argue with me and say there's only three. Four sets of, of five mysteries. And when you're praying the rosary, you know, each, each of the sets of ten is called a decade. And the mysteries are these events that are... are devoted to certain aspects of the life of Christ. So we have the sorrowful mysteries, which are the the events surrounding the passion of the Lord. We have the joyful mysteries, which are events surrounding his birth and early life. The uh, glorious, the start with the resurrection and go up into the, to the coronation of Mary in the book of Revelation chapter 12. And then the luminous, um, which are other events in the life of, of Christ that that help us kind of see his ministry and what you do is when you're praying the and you pray each the mysteries the sets of mysteries on different days of the week and that just sort of helps you enter into not only these prayers but also a meditation on the life of Christ which i think is powerful because when you have the the repetition of the rosary it's easy for it to become robotic and your mind to wander. And people, of course, accuse Catholics of that all the time. And, and sometimes we don't do ourselves any favors sometimes when you see the way some people pray the rosary. Some people, it, and even just how they sound when they pray it, it's very it's super fast. There's no dynamics. It's just boom. And it, they get it over with. It's, it almost seems like they're on a speed course trying to figure out how to pray this thing as fast as humanly possible. For me, the mysteries really sort of slow things down and allow our minds to enter in to this journey of devotion, which in turn will help us see the fruits of the rosary in our lives. So each mystery, so I learned about what those mysteries were when I first started, but then also each mystery has what's called a spiritual fruit. And what that basically means is, and you don't always hear people say stuff like this. You don't like when you go to mass, typically I don't hear people when they pray the rosary, even mention the spiritual fruits, but I found them in this little Dominican prayer book that someone sent me. Um, so I just was like, okay, we'll go with that. And I mean, the fruits aren't some sort of dogmatic thing that's come down from, from Rome that says you must have this fruit. Sometimes people say, well, that's not the right fruit for that mystery. It's okay. You can kind of roll with whatever you want, but we use this one that came to us from this Dominican group called, uh, I think it's called pray the rosary.org or something like that. And the fruits are something that you, you, you want to see happen in your life as a result of meditating on each particular mystery. So, for example, I'll give you this quick, quick example. The first sorrowful mystery is the agony in the garden, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. That's the first sorrowful mystery. We begin the Lord's passion there. The spiritual fruit of that mystery is God's will be done. So we are remembering the words of Jesus who said, could you not keep watch with me one hour? 
And through praying the rosary and meditating on Christ's uh, agony in the garden, we're, we're keeping watch with him that one hour. But we're also remembering how he submits his will to the will of the Father. Before anyone has struck him, he's already in agony. He's sweating drops of blood. He's, he's, he says, my soul is, is, is in anguish to the point of, of, of death, right? He's, he's suffering there. And yet, what does he do to prepare himself to, to move through this experience? He resubmits his will. He doubles down on his commitment to the will of God. He said, if it be possible, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. When we are praying that first decade of the rosary and the sorrowful mysteries, we're, we're going to say the same thing to God. In that decade, our, our minds, our hearts, our souls are focused on my will or your will, not my will, God. Whatever I have to walk through, whatever agony I'm in, whatever is coming, Lord, I want to be like Christ and submit my will to the will of the father. So that's where the like meditating on the mystery and the fruit of it comes into play. And that's really what I like to focus on when I leave the rosary. I think that spiritual fruit idea is really interesting as well. And I think it's the subtitle of your book, connecting the spiritual fruits yeah. to your daily life, yeah. uh, which was also a new thing to me, uh, which again makes the rosary a bit more exciting in some ways to me. I don't know if that's the right word to use or not, but it totally it brings like the the whole gospel into the rosary right rather than just this phrase which i mean again is coming from the gospel but you're having the whole life of christ before you in a lot of ways and by changing it throughout the week as well with which mystery you're focusing on you're getting not just like a range of emotions but a range of spiritual fruit and a range of looking at the life of jesus and all of a sudden you can see how this one devotion could really carry you throughout your life in such a a meaningful way and so i, I want to maybe jump into some of the mysteries there you went into the sorrowful one uh, there as well i the, the first one you cover in your book uh, is the the joyful uh yeah. mysteries and so could you just talk a little bit about what what's going on in this one w what days do you pray it and and what sure. should people be meditating on here this video is brought to you in part by faithful counseling Faithful Counseling is an organization of Christian counselors that exists to help you get the help you need. You can find them by going to faithfulcounseling.com slash gospel simplicity. And when you use that link, which you can find in the description down below, you will get 10% off your first month and they'll pair you up with a licensed mental health counselor in under 48 hours. Once you've been paired up with a counselor, you can reach them via instant message, phone call, video call, and more. I think you will really enjoy this, and I think it could be the first step on your journey to greater mental health. And mental health problems affect all of us, religious, non-religious, old, young, every demographic feels the weight of mental health. But there are resources available, and you don't need to go through this alone, which is why I encourage you to reach out to the amazing people at Faithful Counseling by using that link, faithfulcounseling.com slash gospel simplicity, and taking your first step towards healing and wholeness in your mental health. So, the, and, and it's kind of interesting, like the days of the week, people have to remember this, the rosary is a private devotion, and there's like small t tradition with regard to it, but it's not like you prayed the wrong thing on the wrong day, you're, you, you committed some sin. But traditionally, again, small t, you pray the joyful mysteries on Mondays and Saturdays. And the joyful mysteries begin with the Annunciation, Luke chapter 1, with the angel Gabriel coming to the Blessed Virgin Mary to announce to her the good news that she will give uh, birth to, to God. And the spiritual fruit of that mystery is humility. The, the next joyful mystery is the visitation. And this is when Mary goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John the Baptist. Okay, we're going to hang out mostly in Luke's gospel. And what's powerful about that is that's really where you get the prayers. You know, the Hail Mary prayer is sort of a smashing together of what the angel Gabriel says to Mary, hail, full of grace. Um, but then when she arrives to take care of Elizabeth, I love the way Luke puts this. He does something really cool. He reminds us that full of the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth exclaims in a loud voice when Mary arrives, who am I that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So that's really the Hail Mary prayer. And then we see this beautiful interaction where John the Baptist leaps in the womb of, of Elizabeth at the, at the appearance of Mary, which if you look at Luke's gospel, he's, he, and then you look at, Second, or, uh, Second Samuel chapter 6, you see the parallel between 
what happened when David brings the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem and he leaps for joy. I mean, there's just like the, these bullet points that Luke gives us in, in Luke 1 versus 2 Samuel 6. So we're seeing this incredible um, uh, coming of the new Ark of the Covenant. Mar Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant. She contains the presence of God in her, in her flesh. The spiritual fruit of that mystery is love of neighbor. So we see the love that is being shared there. <clears throat> the third joyful mystery is the nativity. When, uh, when Jesus is actually born in Bethlehem, the spiritual fruit is detachment. And I, I like to talk about this from the standpoint of in the book of Philippians, when he talks about Jesus who, who was equal to God, but counted, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but humbled himself and came down to earth as a humble child, right? Jesus did not come in some pomp and circumstance with royalty and a life of comfort and fanfare. I mean, of course, we had angels rejoicing to the shepherd, announcing to the shepherds and people rejoicing. But who was that? It was the poor and the lowly, not the high and mighty. The spiritual fruit is detachment, which I think about, you know, John 3, 16, God so loved that he gave his only son to the world. Jesus is the greatest gift that's ever given. But if that gift is to be received, you have to have room in your heart for him. And when you think about all that Christ is to us as a gift, if, if, he's, if you try to incorporate him into your already, you know, busy, preconditioned, committed, overly committed life, there's only going to be so much room for Jesus. But if rather you detach from the world, you can receive all who God is. And one of the things I like to say in the Rosary Crew when I lead this prayer is, Jesus detached from heaven and came to earth so that we could detach from earth to go to heaven. Hmm. So the fourth uh, joyful mystery is the presentation of Jesus in the temple. And when you see Mary and Joseph bringing him, um, according to the law of Leviticus 13, I believe, where he's brought to the temple, the firstborn consecrated to the Lord, okay, in, on, in remembrance of the Passover, which, what is Jesus, right? Who is Jesus? He is our Passover lamb. So he's being presented in the temple as an infant, as the, as the lamb, this presentation, the spiritual fruit of this one is obedience. Mary and Joseph could have been like, well, do we really need to present God to God? But they do anyway out of, out of obedience. And, you know, St. Paul reminds us in the book of Romans to present ourselves as living sacrifices. So I always like to take these things, Austin, and turn them around back on us. Maybe it's my old preacher days coming through, but that practical application. But I like to bring that around and say, where are you in this mystery? And how can your response imitate what you're seeing here? So Christ is presented in the temple, which is also a prefiguring of him being presented on the cross and presented in the Eucharist and the holy sacrifice of the mass. Now we're also called to obediently present ourselves to God. And then the fifth joyful mystery is finding Jesus in the temple. And the spiritual fruit of that is perseverance. Of course, Mary and Joseph spent three days searching for him when they realized that they weren't with Jesus. They're on their way home from Jerusalem. They're like, hey, I thought he was with you. No, I thought he was with you. What do we do? What they didn't do was say, well, we're already mostly home. I mean, he's Jesus. He probably knows how to find his way home. We don't really need to worry about him. No, they stopped. They turned around and they went back. And I, I like to connect that to the biblical idea of, of repentance. If you ever discover that you aren't with Jesus anymore, if you walk with Jesus, but then you're just like, man, I don't feel close to God. I've strayed away or whatever. You need to follow their example and stop, turn around and go back to the last place you were with him. And of course, they search for him for three days. They, they persevere and they find him there in the temple. And then I love what he says. Why are you searching for me? Didn't you know where I would be? So then the idea being, he's not hiding from us, my friends. He, he's there for us anytime we want. So those are the those are the five joyful mysteries and and their fruits associated with them. That's incredible, and I I think for a lot of people that are listening to this and maybe they're stumbling upon these ideas for the first time, they might be amazed, or at least I think I would have been at another time of like you're, you're preaching the gospel through the rosary, which is just this this beautiful thing. Hundred percent. You know, people say a lot of times, Austin, they'll say to me, "Well, where where is the rosary in the Bible?" You know, where, where's, show me where the rosary is. And of course, we can talk about where the prayers of the rosary are in the Bible. You know, Luke 1, of course, the Lord's Prayer. But you got to remember, the rosary doesn't, doesn't come into existence till well after the Bible has already been written. So it doesn't make sense to, to ask where's the, the rosary in the Bible. But I think what I like to remind people is, look, the rosary 
isn't in the Bible, but the Bible is in the rosary. You know, the, the gospel is, is here. I mean, to me, that's the same question of saying, well, where's the New Testament in the Bible? You know, mm. and someone might scratch their head at that. But that's a really it's the same kind of question uh, from the standpoint of you're asking, where is something? You know, the canonization of the New Testament isn't found in the New Testament, but we accept it because that's how we know what it is. Yeah, that's really interesting. I well, we might jump into some of the other mysteries here in a second, but I want to pause sure. just for a moment on kind of a practical level because I can imagine some people, on the one hand, being really excited, like, "Wow, there's so much more to this than I ever thought." Like, I thought you just kind of say the words and you make your way along the beads and yada yada yada, and all of a sudden there's all these things to think about, which might be great. But I wonder if for some people it might also feel slightly overwhelming. Of whoa, like I've got five different spiritual fruit to think about here now. So like I'm trying to uh, build repentance and humility and detachment and I don't remember the other two. Uh, but, you know, you've got all these things going on in just one day. And if people were saying like, how can I possibly, you know, grow in all of those in one sitting of the rosary and it feels oh, overwhelming, yeah. what would you say to those people? I would say you don't have to do all that. Just take it slowly. Take it slowly. That's That's why... That's why Catholics love to pray the rosary every day, to be honest with you. It's because there is so much there that you can't absorb in one in one prayer time. And take it slowly. That's what I tell people. I'm like, look, there's a difference between saying the rosary and praying the rosary. I have no interest in saying the rosary. It's not magic words. It's not a superstitious Christian rabbit's foot that if you just carry this around and, you know, do this a little bit and say the right things, good things will happen to you. It's not what it is. It's a, it's a, it's a, journey through the life of Christ and through prayer. And it's, it's not meant to be, you know, guzzled down. It's like, it's like a glass of fine wine. You don't just down it like a Mountain Dew, right? You, you smell it, you savor it, you, you sip it, you enjoy it. You, you let it sort of just absorb into your body as it wants to. That's, that's the way I look at the rosary. So I would say begin the journey, but let it happen to you at the pace that that God sets forth in your life. Don't try to cram it all into into one one sitting or one prayer time and and get overwhelmed by it. Yeah, I think that's helpful. I like that image of a fine wine and I imagine it's something that look like if you're going to be praying this every day, it you know, it's not like you have to have everything on day 1, right? Like this is something right. that's also going to come with time as it kind of simmers. It's um, you know, more of a, uh, like slow cooker than a microwave, if you will, um, yeah. on this, that it, it's going to take some, some time. And so I think that's probably a helpful, just little like pastoral, uh, kind of note there. And, and so I, I want to kind of jump into the next one and we might not go through all of them today, but I sure. think it could be helpful sure. for people to just kind of get a, a taste of what's there. So in, in the joyful, we kind of had like it essentially seems to map to the early life of Jesus through the gospel yep. of Luke. Um, and joyful, what a great way to start the week, right? Um, that's a, I love that. So on Monday, you're there. And again, I think that was helpful to kind of the small T tradition. Like if you did that on a Tuesday, it's not like all the spiritual fruits of it are going away. Like it's going to be okay. Um, but the luminous mystery, is, uh, what, what do we have going on here, at least broadly? Well, the luminous mysteries are interesting, and I, I don't want to get too much into this, but it, they're, they're a little bit, unfortunately, they're a little bit controversial because they were added to the rosary in 2002 by Pope John Paul II. I believe it was 2002. And he put them forth not as like a mandate, because remember, this is a private devotion, right? It's not mandated, but he said, we're going to add these mysteries that if you desire, you can do that. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Now, some people take that to say no. There's only three sets of mysteries. I'm only doing them. And anybody who does the luminous are horrible modernist heretics. I, obviously, I disagree with that. I love the luminous mysteries. Um, and the luminous mysteries, the mysteries of light, they've, they've actually been around longer than Pope John Paul. Like, he didn't create them. Um, I think the history of them goes back quite a ways. But he sort of succinctly offered them officially to the world as part of the rosary, like I said, like I said, uh, a little over 20 years ago. But the first... Mystery, and they represent the the ministry of Jesus, okay, that they're um, associated with those events. So the first one is the baptism of Jesus. And the spiritual fruit of that mystery is openness to the Holy Spirit, which, of course, we see in the baptism of Jesus, the Trinity, Father, the voice of the Father is heard, the Spirit descending upon Jesus like a dove. And, of course, Jesus. Um, openness to the Holy Spirit, because John 
when Jesus came to John to be baptized, what did John say? I can't do that, right? I should be baptized by you. What are you talking about? And Jesus says, let this be done to fulfill all righteousness. And I like to talk about how oftentimes the Holy Spirit will call us, Jesus will call us to, to do things that we don't feel equipped to do. And we say, I can't do that. I can't you know, tell people about Jesus or write a book or start a YouTube channel or whatever. But God doesn't care what you think about you, right? What matters is what he thinks about you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he's going to empower you and equip you and challenge you to do things you never thought possible, like kind of like baptizing Jesus for John. So that's the first luminous mystery. The, the second luminous mystery, and oh, let me back up one second. I, I've, I've kind of pulled this into my book too, but I, I've, I've assigned three characteristics to the luminous mysteries that have to do with light. And the first one is that light reveals truth. It doesn't, it doesn't create truth. It reveals what's already true. And the luminous mysteries are going to reveal the truth about Jesus and his mystery. The, the second thing is that light guides the way, right? We, we shine a flashlight so we know where we're going. We turn a light on so we can find our way. There's events in the Luminous Mysteries that are going to help us be guided. And then the third thing that light does is it comforts us. You know, your little kids are scared of the dark. Grown-ups are scared of the dark. You put a little nightlight on, now you're good. So though, that's sort of what I wrap around the Luminous Mysteries when I think about them. The second Luminous Mystery is the wedding at Cana. And the spiritual fruit is to Jesus through Mary. So the second Luminous Mystery, all about the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mary when we see Jesus turning the water into wine at the request of his mother. The third luminous mystery is the proclamation of the kingdom. Jesus preaching the good news. The spiritual fruit of that mystery is Christian witness and conversion. I like to flip that around and say Christian conversion and witness because you've got to be you've got to be converted yourself before you can really witness to other people. And there's again where we see the truth and and we're guided where we're we're challenged to take the words of Jesus Christ and not just hear them and go, oh, that's a nice little teaching or that's a nice little philosophy. But to say, no, I need to be converted inside out by this. I, I, I can't be the same as a result of it. And that that converted heart and that converted life is the best witness to the reality of the gospel that I could ever show someone. The fourth luminous mystery is the transfiguration of Jesus. And the spiritual fruit of that is courage. And of course, I think about how Jesus reveals a greater level of who he is to Peter, James, and John. He doesn't change. He's always the same, right? But he lets them see a little bit more of who he is there in that experience, which, of course, would empower them to, to do the things they needed to do a after he's gone. And then the fifth luminous mystery is the institution of the Eucharist. The spiritual fruit is the love of our Eucharistic Lord. So, the kind of the last thing as part of Jesus' earthly ministry before his passion is he gives the disciples the Last Supper, institutes the priesthood, institutes the Eucharist. and But we have to be reminded that our response to that has to be completely rooted in love. We love him because he first loved us. So those are the luminous mysteries. Well, I, you know, for what my uh, opinion is worth, uh, which is probably not very much, I, I think that's a, a fantastic addition. Getting into the the ministry of Jesus there as well. I love um, it. Yeah, I and you know it wouldn't be uh, something in any church if there wasn't some controversy around yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, but that you know, because I, I imagine that that kind of bridges the gap right between the childhood of Jesus, then getting into the sorrowful mysteries. I imagine have to do with the passion. Is is that correct? Yeah, so, yeah. The, the the sorrowful mysteries are the passion of the Lord. So you, yeah. If, if you, we, without the luminous mysteries, you go. The last thing that you have is, of course, finding him in the temple. He's twelve years old. The very next thing is the agony in the garden. So you kind of skip over his entire uh, ministry there, and the luminous sort of bridges that gap. Yeah, that's, I mean, it seems to make it a bit more complete for people going through. Now, that's not to say that if people don't want to include that, that they're doing something wrong. I have no authority to weigh in on this, but... Well, even the Pope it, said that's optional. He, he, didn't, yeah. he didn't say you had to do that, but he, he, he put it forth as an optional. And, you know, most people are, are, are using the luminous mysteries that I've talked to, but there's, you know, there are some that, that reject them. Okay. And so I, I want to get into maybe just a little bit of like the fruits of the sorrowful one. I can imagine for some sure. people, this feels like a very heavy one. Like we're, yeah. we're talking about the passion uh, of Christ and we're 
getting through that every week. I imagine. So that was Monday and Saturday, was it? For the sorrowful joyful? is Tuesday and Friday. Okay, but so it's joyful on Monday and Saturday, yeah, so was it? The way then, it goes is so. Well, let's start with Sunday. Mm-hmm. So Sunday is the glorious because we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, okay. and that's the first glorious mystery. But Monday is the joyful mysteries. Tuesday is the sorrowful. Wednesday is the glorious again. Okay. And then Thursday is the luminous. Interesting. Okay. So you only pray the luminous mysteries one day a week. So, and this, this is again, this is one of the reasons why people don't like the luminous mysteries. Some, the ones that don't is they say it throws off the equilibrium. And, mm-hmm. you know, you got to remember that the rosary grew out of the praying of the Psalter, which is 150 Psalms. So there was a hundred. So with, with three sets of, of, of mysteries, you have 150, um, wrote, you know, prayers, and then when you add the luminous, now you're up to 20. So they go, ah, it threw off the whole, the whole uh, 150 thing. So the ske- But again, the schedule itself isn't, isn't that big a deal. Many people, okay, many people pray more than one set of mysteries per day, right? So it's not unusual for people to pray all of the mysteries of the rosary every day. So That's it fun. isn't like you go, oh, wait, what are you doing? Like, for example, today when we're recording this, is the feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's a pretty big day. Now, it's also a Tuesday. We would normally pray the Sorrowful Mysteries, but I made the decision for the Rosary Crew, we're going to pray the Glorious today because of that feast. I don't always change those around, you know, for the different feasts, but for, you know, a lot of times for the for ones that fall during the week on a different day, I will do that. Um, and, you know, that's what you do. Some people, like you were talking about the Sorrowful Mysteries, during Lent, some people just pray the sorrowful mysteries every day in mm. Lent. Some people pray the glorious mysteries um, every day during the Easter season. Um, so you really can 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 do, or they pray the joyful mystery every day during Advent. You really can tailor that part of it to whatever you feel like you want to focus on. Yeah, and maybe just I, I imagine the vast majority of the audience will understand this but the when you say like you're praying the the sorrowful or the joyful you're still saying the the same words like the the rosary is not changing correct, correct. but you're you're correct. switching what you're meditating upon which yes. gives yes. you some flexibility there um absolutely and, and i imagine any of these like <laughs> they're all much better than your mind just wandering as you do it which i think would be so easy for a lot of people as they're first getting into it um or, or maybe after a while they've been doing it right and you're just you've done it for so long that your mind starts wandering, but to have something to focus on, I think is helpful. And maybe just a, a quick pause here. I, so when you're doing it with the rosary crew, I imagine, you know, yeah. you're announcing it and it sounds like you say like a couple things maybe to, to think about as you're doing that. If people are doing this on their own at home, do you have any advice for things that help you focus on these? Um, mm. Like kind of help you guide the prayer or even just remember the mysteries, but so that as you're going through, it's like, okay, this is what I should be thinking about as I'm praying. Any any advice for people who might feel like their mind just wanders, even with the mysteries there? Well, yeah, I mean, some of this gets down to like the technique of praying the rosary. Um, first of all, I say if you're start, if you're just learning to pray the rosary, set a time apart in your day when you're going to do that, where you can be in a quiet place with no distractions. I mean, a lot of a lot of people who pray the rosary daily or multiple decades of the rosary will sometimes do some of those decades while they're like driving down the road. You know, I've done that before. It's like you're driving down the road. You know, I'm going to pray several, you know, I'm going to pray three or four different. I'm going to do the full rosary every day, right? I'm going to I'm going to have to do that while I'm mowing the grass or while I'm driving down the road or whatever. If, if you're going to start with the rosary, I would say find a time, set it aside and just be in that spot when you can do it. Maybe and maybe that is during a, a, a organized prayer group. A lot of times people will do that. There'll be a group of people praying the rosary together. If you're a Catholic, there's probably somebody near you, if you're part of a Catholic parish, that does that. So maybe don't try to do it on your own. Maybe join a prayer group. But there are apps that are helpful. There are YouTube videos that walk you through them. I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do. There are little booklets that you can use. Uh, so take advantage of the resources that are out there but what I always think about, too, is if you're by yourself, you're praying, and you find yourself beginning to get distracted, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing that there's a decade of prayers that you pray for each mystery so that you can just get yourself back on track. If you find yourself doing it, so, sometimes I've done this, Austin, where 
I've got to like the fourth or fifth Hail Mary in a decade, and I've realized I didn't really focus. I start over. I'll just kind of go, nope, reject, go back, and I'll start that decade over again if I feel like I haven't been present with it. So just practice it, discipline, and and you'll get there. But take advantage of the resources that exist around you to help you with it and give yourself some grace. If you've never done this before, if you're just getting started, it's it takes time to find your rhythm with it. And that's okay. Everybody does it a little bit differently in terms of their pacing and their rhythm. And it's okay. Find yours. Find what works for you. If you go to, to your parish and they pray the rosary before mass, but the pacing is off for you, then that's okay. Just, you don't, you know, find a different place to do it, but figure out what works for you, settle into it and give yourself some patience with it and some time and take advantage of the resources that are there and you, you'll, you'll get there. Yeah, that that's helpful. And I think it's probably, you know, good for people to note as well that even Keith Nestor, the rosary guy, like sometimes has to, <laughs> it goes back, you know, like it's, it's not like you're always fully in it a hundred percent every time. Like, Sometimes you have to bring yourself to it. It's not always easy. Oh, I imagine for sure. Also for people that are getting started, like on the one hand, they can hear you talk about this or hear other people talk about how the rosary has changed their life. And it's this like deep and meaningful experience. I, I wonder what you would say to people who like they're first starting with it and they're like, I don't know. Like, I don't feel like I'm getting a lot out of it. Like they're doing it. They're doing it faithfully, but they're just starting. And it's like, I haven't had some crazy experience of this. Like I'm going to keep trying it. Um, yeah. But might feel discouraged that the way some people talk about the rosary feels maybe completely different from what they've experienced. I would say that's normal. You know, it it, it is normal for, you know, you're not going to, you're not always going to feel something when you pray the rosary. Remember the, the rosary isn't about feelings. It's not an exercise in, in emotional stimulation. It's a prayer. And, what you think about and what you pray about, it may or may not connect to you emotionally. And that's okay. There is an element of discipline that's required. There is an element of perseverance that's required. But it is important. I mean, we haven't really gone down this road yet in our conversation. But there have been apparitions of the Blessed Virgin Mary, specifically Fatima, where she has has told the children, you know, pray the rosary every day. And there are promises associated with the rosary that that people sometimes look toward for assurance that this is going to pay off. And it's it's not a question of if I do this, then that will happen. But like anything in our faith, whether we're a Catholic, Protestant, or Orthodox, there are always going to be things that are obstacles to our devotion to the Lord. If you're a Protestant and you say, look, I want to read the Bible for 30 minutes every day, and you have a Bible study group, a book, or whatever, there are going to be some weeks when you read that and go through that, you're just like, man, I just... My, I was checked out. The problem isn't with the Bible. The problem is with you, right? You've got to jump back in and, and maybe figure out a different way to do it or try again. Same thing with the rosary. But I would say this. If, if, you're, if you're just like, I've tried this for an extended amount of time. You know, I usually tell people, give it a month every day. Try it for, for 30 days. Really do it for 30 days. And, and if, if it's not for you, then maybe, maybe find a different devotion which feels weird for me to say that because I, I, I want everybody to pray the rosary. But again, th this is a devotion, a, an incredibly special, powerful devotion, but it's not the only devotion. Maybe you're someone who would benefit more from really going through the Liturgy of the Hours and all of the reading and all of the, the, the different types of prayer there, and, and that's going to be more your jam. That's okay. That's okay. You, you don't have to do everything. So, but I always encourage people, give it a try because the great thing about the rosary is once you get yourself into that rhythm, it almost becomes like breathing. It's, it's, it's very easy to do. I mean, I've been leading the rosary online every day for closing in on four years now. <clears throat> and it took me probably a good year of doing it every day before I didn't have to have a sheet in front of me that said what the mysteries and fruits were for each of the days, you know, because it can be intimidating. You'd be like, wow. How? And I was, I was intimidated too. I'd be like, how do all these people know all these things? And they just rattle it off. It's because they've been doing it for so long. And, you know, I'm at that point now where I don't, where I don't need to 
see a sheet to know what day and what mystery and what fruit and all that because because I'm just I'm just in that place. But that didn't happen to me instantly. And it has nothing to do with your level of devotion to God. It doesn't make you a better or worse person. It just means that you haven't done it that long. So stick with it, give it a try, and see what happens. I, and I think I think you'll be amazed. I've even got people who are Protestants that are part of our rosary crew that they're like, we don't have anything like this. And, and I love this. And I'm not Catholic, but can I pray the rosary too? I'm like, absolutely. Um, so, so it can be a thing that can cross those lines too. Yeah, I think that's a great point there. And I, you know, I think so often with, for whatever reason in our spiritual life, we expect that we can just go from like zero to a hundred really fast, but not in a way that we would expect in other places. Like if you were to step into the gym for the first time, which I know is something that you do, right? Like, and if you saw people like benching just a ton of weight, you're going to be like, it's my first day. I'm going to do that too. It, it wouldn't work. And, but we would Very recognize nice. like, yeah, it, it takes time. Like you have to get those actual reps in. But for whatever reason, I think often in our spiritual life, we see people who have these great devotions and we think, oh, okay, like I'll just adopt that tomorrow and I'll be right there, like just on that same level. But there are also things that take time and, and take reps. And I'm sure the rosary is, is the same way in that. And I appreciate you saying like, it took a year just to, to remember all of the mysteries associated with it. I'm sure as you go, you're deepening your experience with them just through getting those reps. Is, would that be fair? Absolutely. And you know that, that you can take that analogy a little bit further and say, if you, if you don't have the right, if you do it the wrong way, then you're, you're not only not going to get strong, you're going to get sore and you're going to hurt yourself. And if let's say, let's say you're a person who's exploring Catholicism or, or this type of devotional life, whether you're a Catholic, Protestant, Orthodox, whatever, and you jump right into something that's so intense. Let's say you decide I'm going to go to a Gregorian chant, Latin rosary thing where they're going to chant, 20 mysteries of the rosary and it's going to take two and a half hours and that's your first day and you go wow that's what it means to pray the rosary i don't know if i can do all that that's that's okay okay i, I can't hang no you, you don't have to do that it it's not practice makes per i talk about this in my book it's not practice makes perfect it's perfect practice makes perfect so work on just doing things in bite-sized pieces you know maybe in the beginning you Start with, okay, my goal for the day, and I've talked to people that do this. I want to pray the I want to pray the rosary every day, but I don't have the ability to sit still for the 15, 20 minutes it takes to do all five mysteries and go. So I'm gonna do them one at a time. So I'm gonna pray a decade in the morning. I'm gonna pray a decade, you know, late morning. I'm gonna pray a decade after lunch, a decade, you know, and they just pray one decade at a time until at the end of the day. That's when they pray their fifth decade. Hey, it's okay. It's okay. Whatever works for you is whatever works. You'll, you'll get there, you know, but don't be intimidated with, with something that's, that's too much. You don't have to be. You can just take it at a pace that works for you and it'll be okay. Yeah, I like the way you extended that analogy. And like often when you're trying to take on more weight, say in the gym, than you should like that's when your form gets bad. And I think I could imagine people, they trying to rush through all of these, like I have to pray the whole thing in one sitting, but then yeah. they end up not really thinking about any of it. And you get that like, like as fast as you can go kind of deal. And it, it's ultimately not helpful there. And so I think that's really interesting. Um, and, and an important way to kind of extend that analogy. Um, so with the time we have left, I, I do want to touch on the, the last two mysteries uh, just real quickly so people feel sure. like they've got them. So the sorrowful mysteries we mentioned, we're talking here about it starts with the agony in the garden, but but where does it go from there? So we go, the, the next sorrowful mystery is the scourging at the pillar. And that's that's when Jesus goes before Pilate. He says, I find no reason for this man to be charged. He's done nothing wrong, but I'll take him and have him scourged. You know, the, the spiritual fruit of that mystery is purity. And of course, I like to connect that with Isaiah chapter 53, where Isaiah prophesied about this event. You know, by his stripes we are healed. He'd be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace is upon him. By his stripes we are healed. And that's literally the fulfillment of that text. That's where our purity comes from. It doesn't come from our willpower. It doesn't come from our religious practices. It comes from Christ and Christ alone. It's his grace. And by his stripes we are healed, not by ours, right? So anything that we do to, to cooperate with that grace comes ultimately from what Christ does. 
The, the third sorrowful mystery is the crowning with thorns. The spiritual fruit of this mystery is the reign of Christ in our hearts. And we meditate on when Christ receives that crown. And Pilate, of course, has this conversation with him. Are you a king? Are you a king? He wants to know all about that. So we have to ask ourselves, what kind of king is King Jesus? And whereas the kings of the world achieve their power through dominance and, and violence, our king subjects himself to violence and dominance. He suffers and sacrifices for us. That's our king. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that his kingship is soft or weak. We must submit to him with every area of our lives. The fourth sorrowful mystery is the carrying of the cross. And the spiritual fruit of this mystery is the patient bearing of trials. So now we're, we're on the journey with Jesus. And I'm always mindful when Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and carry his own cross. And here's that part of the journey where we say, okay, God, I've got my trials. I've got my issues. But what makes a painful experience a cross isn't just that I, that I go through a painful experience. It's that I unite it with Christ's suffering. That's how our experiences become crosses rather than just a bad day. So we're invited to unite that with him on that journey to, to Golgotha. And then, of course, the fifth sorrowful mystery is the crucifixion of our Lord, and the spiritual fruit is the pardoning of injuries, reminding us that, that our healing comes from Jesus. And that's about forgiveness. You know, we think our greatest healing oftentimes has to do with our physical bodies, but our greatest healing is not a physical one. It is a, it is a, a complete one, right? It's our, it's, our, it's our soul, the healing of our heart, which comes through forgiveness. Christ forgiving us, and then, of course, we forgiving others. So that's the, that's the journey through the sorrowful mysteries. There's just so much here. It's fantastic. The last one, which you'll be praying today uh, on the Rosary Crew, of course, people will be watching this sometime in the future, but today, as you mentioned, it's the uh, feast day of the Assumption, and you'll be praying the glorious mysteries. What, what's going on in the glorious? It seems like a great place to kind of wrap up here. Absolutely. So we begin with the resurrection of the Lord. Okay. The spiritual fruit is faith. And of course, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So that must mean that with faith, we can please God. But what is our faith rooted in? Just some myth or fable? No, it's rooted in the historical truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus hasn't raised, then your faith is in vain, right? Our preaching is useless. It all comes down to the resurrection. So we begin with this because Christ has won that victory. The second glorious mystery is the ascension of Jesus. When he, he has the disciples around him, he teaches them and he gives them their mission. And then he ascends up into heaven. The spiritual fruit is hope. Hope that we know that he will return. Because the angel says the same way that he left, you'll see him return, right? But also the hope in what he is doing right now. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, as we say in the creed. And he will come to judge the living and the dead. He's preparing a place for us, though, right? That's what he told his disciples. I go to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be. So I like to think about what is Jesus doing now? He's offered that intercession of his body and blood in, in, in the heavenly realms, right, for, for our sin to make atonement for us, the once and for all sacrifice of, of the Passover lamb of Jesus Christ. But now he's preparing a place for us so that where we can be, so that we can be with him. So that's where our hope is, right? And then the fourth or I'm sorry, the third glorious mystery is the descent of the Holy Ghost on the apostles in Pentecost. So Acts chapter 2 here, spiritual fruit are the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now the apostles who had received their vision, I, I like to talk about how the fact that once, when Jesus went up into heaven, they didn't all scatter. They didn't all go, all right, that was fun, see ya. Let's go do what he called us to do. No, he told them to stay there and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. So that's exactly what they do. But what do they do? They're in the upper room for fear of the Jews. They're there gathered with the Blessed Virgin Mary, right, who's there with them. And the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and they begin to speak in tongues not known by them, but heard in the languages by the people who had come to, to Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And now these same men who are terrified because the Holy Spirit's come upon them are filled with courage, and they're equipped to preach the gospel. And now the mission of the church has begun. And it's not by their abilities, it's by the, by the Holy Spirit working within them. So that's the third glorious mystery. The fourth glorious mystery is the assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And again, this is, this is a powerful mystery. The spiritual fruit of it is the desire for heaven. 
And I think about how this is related to the second glorious mystery. He's gone to prepare a place for us. Can you imagine the place in heaven he's prepared for the Blessed Virgin Mary? Jesus promised us that whoever hungers and thirsts for righteousness will be satisfied. And the Blessed Virgin Mary hungered and thirsted for righteousness. She wanted nothing else other than the will of God. She wanted nothing else other than Jesus. So I like to imagine the assumption as a family reunion. <clears throat> when she's taken up into heaven to be reunited with Jesus and reunited with St. Joseph and brought to the place that has been prepared for her in heaven. What a beautiful mystery this is. The fifth glorious mystery is the coronation of the Blessed Virgin Mary as queen of heaven and earth. And the spiritual fruit is the grace of final perseverance. Of course, this is this comes from Revelation chapter 12 when, when John, okay, who, by the way, was the same John at the foot of the cross who Jesus said, behold thy mother. So he has a very special relationship with the Virgin Mary. Now as an old man, he sees this vision of her in heaven and she's got this crown, right? What does that mean? Well, in the old covenant, there was a queen mother, right? You can look at this in Judges and Kings, I believe. And who was the queen mother? It was the king's mother. It was Bathsheba, right? You see this and you can see how she makes intercession for people. And when she enters into the room, Solomon stands up and he says, ask me for whatever I want. You know, I will not refuse. I will not refuse you. Well, in the new covenant, we have a queen mother as well, as we see with her crown there in, in heaven. And the grace of final perseverance, really, it's a picture of what it looks like as she's persevered to the end and wants all of us to persevere to the end as well. But that perseverance isn't a call to a greater level of willpower. It's a call to cooperating with a greater level of grace. And we know that Mary is full of grace. And we know that she's been given this job to, to call us to, to repentance, to call us to faith in her son. And that just as all the grace of Jesus came to us through her, now um, she continues to call us to come to that grace as well. So those are the glorious mysteries. That's wonderful. And what a great place to wrap up. And I can see why you will be praying them uh, today on the Rosary Crew. Well, before uh, we do just kind of like the rapid fire final four questions that I ask all my guests, I want to give you a chance to let people know where they can find you, your book, uh, your ministry online, all of those types of things. Sure. So the, my ministry website is down to earthministry.org and it's down the number two earthministry.org. And this book, the unpacking the mysteries of the rosary, this is going to do a, I'm going to walk you through each of these mysteries, each of the fruits. And I mean, you got a little bit of a rapid fire view of it there, but I'm, but I walk you through a little bit more of that in the book. So if you check that out and you can get that on my website or on Amazon, um, you'll, you'll, this is sort of like a good, a good, um, guide to the rosary and a way to help people. Like if you were to say, well, I want to get into the rosary. I really want to, to study the fruits. Mr. This book will help you with that. It's like a manual to walking you through like a, a scriptural understanding and application of the rosary. Of course, I'm active on YouTube, my regular YouTube channel, Keith Nestor. I do a lot of stuff there, but then the rosary crew is on a separate YouTube channel and it's just rosary crew with Keith Nestor. We pray every day, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Central, the weekends, Usually it's 8 a.m. and 9.45 a.m., but the times can be different depending on what I'm doing. Because like I said, I do this every day, but I travel a lot. I have a busy life, so oftentimes I'll, I'll have to say, all right, we're on the road. Like I'm traveling for giving some talks this week, so maybe the times will be a little different. But you can always play with the replay, and we even have a 24-7 looping rosary through all sets of the mysteries set to music. It's beautiful imagery. You can check that out there as well. Um, so I'm on Instagram at Keith Nestor Catholic and Twitter at Keith Nestor One. Um, so pretty much everywhere, but down to earthministry.org will be a good place to find all that stuff. I love it. I'll try to link to all those things in the description down below. But I don't think, I, I know, I wasn't doing this when you first uh, came on the channel. So since then, I've uh, instituted a kind of final four questions. These are like one phrase, one sentence answers. Um, so this first one's probably obvious for you, but I have to ask because I ask it to everyone. What has been the most fruitful habit or spiritual discipline in your life? Oh, for sure. Praying the rosary. I could have guessed. Outside the Bible, what has been the most impactful book on your life? Uh, it's a book called The Catechism of the Catholic Church. I think I've heard of that one. So you're having coffee with yourself the first time. We didn't get into your uh, story too much here, but the first time you began looking into the Catholic Church, because I understand there's about a gap between then and when you became Catholic. What advice would you give him for his journey? I would say um, 
read the catechism so you can learn what the Catholic Church teaches, and you need to find someone in your life who who practices their Catholic faith, and you need to um, you need to watch. You need to get you need to get around some Catholics who are actually living the Catholic life. You need to you need to experience people who live out the Catholic life so you can see what it looks like lived out. Awesome. Last one is this channel is called Gospel Simplicity. So I often uh, like to end with this question of just in a sentence or so, what is the gospel? The gospel is that we are separated from a holy God through our sin, but God who has loved us has made a way through Jesus Christ who came to this earth, God in the flesh, sacrificed his life on the cross, became the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And because of what Christ has done, we have been invited into this reconciled relationship with the Father through His grace. Wonderful. Keith, thank you so much for being here. This has been a pleasure. And thanks to all of you who watch this sometime in the future. I don't take your time lightly. Close as I always do by saying, until next time, be on the lookout for more videos. But far more important than that, go out and love God and love others, because truly above all else, that will change the world. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And you must have if you made it all the way to the end. And if you made it to the end and you're not yet subscribed to the channel, well, I don't know why you're not, so you should just go ahead and click that button, whichever side it's on. And if while you're at it, you might click the little bell so that you can be notified when future videos are coming out. Thank you guys so much for watching this. I'll see you next time.